that's a great new possibility. It comes with certain dangers, I think, you know, certain risks. But I think that's one really interesting aspect of the coming, what is it, three, five, ten years. How will we make use of these insights that we can get directly from smart products? Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development as businesses aim for long-term success. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sofion CTO. If you're looking for additional information around new product development or corporate innovation, sign up for Sofian's newsletter where we share news and industry best practices monthly. The fastest way to do this is to go to sofian.com, that's S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, and click the sign up and stay informed box. Hello, everybody. Glad you could join us today. I have a guest. I'd like to introduce Colin Tattersall from Sofian. Colin has a really strong background. He began focused very much in a research capacity in linguistics and knowledge management, eventually getting into new product development and innovation. He's worked in universities. He's worked with customers, large customers, small customers, been very active in helping those customers really be successful in innovation. So Colin, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Paul. Nice to join you. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit chilly today here in the Netherlands, but the sun is shining. You're in the south of the Netherlands, is that correct? That's right, yeah. Not far from Belgium and not far from Germany. Down here in the south, Maastricht, yeah. Good. Well, let's hope spring is around the corner, right? Seems to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Colin, like I said in the intro, you have a really great background, but how did you first get involved in innovation management and new product development? Yeah, I mean, in one sense, I've always been really interested in kind of technology and innovation and, you know, studied computer science and then did some research after that. So I was always, you know, kind of looking to new routes, in, in, especially in software, and then kind of moved across to the Netherlands at some stage. And I was working for a telecommunications company in their research and development department. So I was looking at a lot of stuff in telecommunications, ICT software again new services but also marketing using kind of call data to be able to look at and and help customers in 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 a better way so uh, i've always had an interest in that area and then joined sophion or polydoc as it was back in the day and early on uh, a few different types of product that we were using there but eventually of course new product development innovation innovation management an accolade brought me into innovation management in a more general, uh, general sense. So it's always been in the in the genes, you could say, in the blood. So uh. <laughs> yeah, and just thinking about your ties back to knowledge management, linguistics, and the type of things you studied in university. I mean, how have you seen those evolve in companies when they're kind of this space of innovation? Yeah, well, I mean, it's funny because when I was doing my research, that was back in the eighties. So it was, you know, AI has been around for a long time. And at the time, I was doing a lot of work, research in the area of knowledge-based systems, you know, how to, how to represent knowledge, how to model. And of course, at the same time, there were, there were also was a lot of work and research going on in, in machine learning and the use of both techniques in computational linguistics. And so it's interesting to, to look, talking really 30 years ago, 35 years ago, for a while, it's been in the background, as it were, you know getting some attention in, in the media now and again. But of course, recently, it's 
AI has just taken a you know a, a real center of attention and a lot of studies, a lot of media attention, a lot of products, a lot of successes. I think perhaps more on the machine learning side, perhaps than the than the knowledge based systems side. At least what I you know things I'm reading more more in the media than than in the research side of things recently. But it's interesting to see how much attention there is, but also how many kind of questions there are about which direction uh, should be taken, not only the advantages of these technologies, but also ethical questions, usage questions. But it's, it's, it's certainly all in the mix at the moment, a lot of attention for these, for these techniques, which is great yeah. to see. It sure is, Colin. I mean, <laughs> you mentioned 35 years, which is, is interesting because, you know, and I think a lot of people felt that machine learning or knowledge-based systems were were real or were going to move faster than, than they have even back then. Why do you think now? Is it technology's caught up? Is it is it there are better business problems to be modeled? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm, a, I'm a terrible predictor of the, the, of the future. And a lot of people are, are able to spot these trends, I think, once they've happened, but it can be more difficult to, to predict whether something is really going to take off or not. I mean, I remember... As a youngster, first hearing about Wikipedia, and I thought, will it really take off? Will people really generate all that data and help with that? And the same with YouTube. At the time, I thought, I can't see people uploading all these videos. You know, is, is it really going to happen? But the, of course, these, these techniques, people and tools collaborating on, on, on creating data, linking things together, that's, that's at least... The way I look at things is that's made a big, a huge difference in just being a lot of data around there, data which is kind of linked together, data which is described, which is tagged, and which has generated these these larger bodies of data, bodies of information, which which then can be used for all kind of purposes. And I think that's that's helped. That's that's created corpus of data which there wasn't there so much 35 years ago 20 years ago but if you look you know 10 years ago five years ago there's just huge amounts of data and everything we do of course is generating more and more and that can be used to feed various machines have them learn and so on so i think that's been a huge difference just the amount of data we've got it, it's interconnectedness and also the fact that it's it's getting labeled and tagged and made in a, in a way almost without without us knowing it which is is able to then be used for all kinds of different purposes that's well don't ever feel bad about not being able to predict the future that you know a very famous person once said i can't ever see more than a handful of people ever using a computer so <laughs> you know <laughs> there's been plenty of misrepresented or mis you know wrong predictions out there so just Go on and enjoy the ride. Yeah, that's right. Well, Colin, share a success story about, you know, you've you've seen a lot of different types of innovation, personally been involved in or have watched or, or seen or studied. Any particular one stick out as a success story that you like to reference? Yeah, I mean, I've worked with one of our customers for uh, a long time, really from 2008, I believe, I started working with them, Electrolux. And they are, first of all, if, if I if I kind of step out of my professional life, just here at home, we've got a number of their products. You know, they've got all kinds of different brands. People don't often know that they bought an Electrolux product, which is AEG is something that is a brand here in the Netherlands that we, you know, we've got quite a few of their products. And I think Zanussi is, is also one of their brands and so on. People may know those brands. And I've been working, they're, they're users of Backlade. They've been users for, for many, many years. And I've worked over the years with them in dip, through different projects, 
taking the different versions of, of Accolade, you know, and they've got a, they've built up a lot of data over the years to see how their innovation processes have been supported by Accolade. And we've been able to work with them to see ways in which some of their goals that they had of compressing the amount of time it takes to, to get new products out to market. We've seen the way in which Accolade helped support that compression. And I think that's been a great, they're, they're great people. I've always really enjoyed working with, with the team out there, both on the, let's say the software side, but also the business side. And that's just been a great relationship that I've had with them and with the company. I think that's, and that's a real, I see also them as a company introducing great new products in, in all kinds of the different product lines they've got, be it uh, kind of on the, on the food preparation side, food preservation dish care, you know, the fabric care. They've got all kinds of different household appliances. And I can see them, you know, looking to the future, thinking about how can these different products really be differentiated in the future? How can we make them smarter? How can we incorporate more software and different types of software to, to hit different customer values? I think they've done a, a great job of that in their history so far, and I'm sure they will do going ahead. And I've really enjoyed working on that NPD uh, journey with them. Yeah, that is such a well-respected and well-known company. You know, it must be real fun to be on the inside and see how uh, how it works and how it all comes to be. I remember my <laughs> the first vacuum cleaner I ever saw. Well, okay, I was a kid and it was my mother's vacuum cleaner, right? But it was Electrolux. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everybody knows that brand. So. Yeah, you know, of course, I'm I'm in living in the Netherlands. I I often see one of their competitors, Philips, is is, is a big brand over here as well. Of course, they they've. Philips have shifted over the years into different different areas, but it's also nice to see, you know, you see the logo or you see the brands. I mean, that's a fantastic aspect of working at Sophie on that. You you do come across so many of our customers in day-to-day -day life. Electrolux are one, but of course, you know, Philips, it's P&G, it, it's others, Pepsi. There are just some great names that we come across in, and Electrolux is, is certainly one of them. Yeah. I, I often joked with them. I, uh, I had, it was a, an implementation, it was an upgrade of Accolade from one version to the other. And it was, uh, I was doing that in the summer uh, vacation and we managed to get it all done. And then I remember we, f we finished on the Friday and I went on a holiday on, on the Saturday. We walked in, we went, I went to Italy and we were in a, a holiday home and I opened the door, you know, I was looking to, to rest, rest and recuperate in the summer holidays. I opened the door into this holiday, uh, the little villa there. And the first thing I saw was a, a fridge looking at me with a logo on it at the Electrolux. So I, you know, they, were, they were everywhere, <laughs> even on holiday. <laughs> And that's probably the last thing you wanted to see. <laughs> I always use the holiday home dishwasher or fridge as, as an example uh, product when I'm using Accolade testing. That's, that's funny. Oh, what a nice story. <laughs> well, what are you seeing as one of the key challenges out there around innovation? Yeah, I suppose challenges, opportunities, you know, that's a kind of cliche, isn't it? But you can, you can see this trend now of you know, digitalization, increasing use, incorporation of software in, in products. And of course, you know, we've we had software in, in, in physical products for many, many years, but often it's been kind of embedded doing something smart in the, in the product, you know, helping with some kind of control, temperature control or th those kind of things. But it's been isolated in the specific instance of the product itself. Of course, new opportunities now with connectivity, having products communicate with each other or with, with other, other products, with other items in the world, 
And that's going to give us a whole new series of great new products, right? And one of the things that we can hook onto in that is, of course, to, to get data back from these products being used back into the innovation process. So I think for many, many years, quite a lot has, has been guesswork on, on product development, right? So you've got to, got to think about what will be the context of use, how will people make use of this, what might be good features, and then ship the product. And, you know, maybe you get some insight into how it's actually used, maybe you don't, and then the whole show begins again. And of course, the smart products offer the possibility of getting some insight into what really is being used, which feature, you know, is getting used all day, every day, which is yeah, not really hitting the mark as we thought it would be. And giving, taking that data into consideration when thinking about, okay, what's the next generation of this product? Or should we update directly the products to perhaps add some new features or remove some, some features? I think that's a great new possibility. It comes with certain dangers, I think, you know, certain risks. But I think that's one really interesting aspect of the coming, what is it, three, five, ten years. How will we make use of these insights that we can get directly from smart products in the innovation process itself? Closing the loop, as it's sometimes called closed loop PLM, product lifecycle management, to really think about having the front end of innovation be informed by what's really happening with the product. That's that's really interesting, Colin. So what's going through my mind, is it is it how the product's being used or does it go beyond that into consumer sentiment? I think there are all kinds of things. And of course, many, given my predictive capacity <laughs> with, with you, many, many I'm not even thinking of, of course, at the moment. But I think it can be, it can just be simple things like when is something switched on or when isn't it? It could also be when does something crash or not, you know, we get, we get software problems. When is this or... When is it happening in combination with things? It can also be, is something getting a thumbs up or a thumbs down associated with the product itself? Maybe you can give the washing machine a thumbs up and we'll get that data data back. Or when is it being recommended as well? There's a whole wealth of information, which I think will, will help product managers, product line directors see how we're on the right track with this set, with this generation of products or you know, we haven't yet hit the mark. Let's try something something different. Boy, I can think of the possibilities. I mean, if you have more than one product, but you have a, a set of products, let's say that are connected, I'm thinking of the, you often, Colin, have talked to me about this, the smart kitchen. Maybe that comes from your Electrolux Philips work, but you always talk about multiple devices or multiple products in a kitchen interacting with each other. So yeah, maybe we can learn, we can realize that every time, five minutes after this device is switched on, this other device does X, right? That's just, right, yeah. There's so much that could be learned when you think beyond just one device. Yeah. When you think of a network of, of, of smart products working together, right? Yeah, I mean, and you know, there's the, and some of these, of course, are imagined use cases where you know we don't know whether they will or or won't take off, you know. But I mean, of course, you've got the the refrigerator with the camera or at least some sensing devices which know what's in the refrigerator and are able to then, if you know what other devices, what have you got a kitchen mixer, have you got a cooker, microwave, you can then come up with a a recipe based on what's in the fridge and you know what your cooking apparatus is. So you can almost generate a sequence of steps 
you know, mix yeah. this and and then put it together with that, etc. So uh, yeah, I think when when you've got numbers of devices cooperating, and, and you know, we can think broader than than the home, of course. We're getting that with with cars. You know, if you think of the kind of Tesla capabilities and its interaction with traffic lights and its interaction with other cars. So, so I mean, you're just hundreds and thousands of possibilities, right? When I was a kid, I think I must have been five, ten years old, eight years old. I used to draw on a piece of paper, this little, I draw a map with roads and streets and I had cars and in my little drawing, they were all talking to each other. There were, <laughs> there were no traffic lights. <laughs> and then of course I didn't do anything with that idea. Obviously other people did and they <laughs> a lot more wealthy than I am, but yeah, it so just took much, a while. You're much better at predicting the future, you see, than I well, am. Yeah, I just didn't do anything about it. <laughs> Colin, are there specific, I mean, I know you've you've worked in chemical industries and food and beverage. You've done a lot more than just consumer appliances in your, your background. Are there certain industries that will go first? Maybe it's the automotive, maybe it's the kitchen appliances. Do you think it'll eventually get there for all products across all industries or any thoughts on, on that for these other industries? Yeah, I mean, I think there are, of course, there, there are the let's say, smart products, which are physical containing software as well, you know, Internet of Things style of product. And there are also, you know, there's the industrial Internet of, of Things where industrial processes are made to become smarter and the whole manufacturing process or a production process using extra insight, extra sensors can be made more optimal, it can be made safer, etc. So I think there are, I don't really see industries that won't be able to take advantage of it. I mean, given though, as I said, there are questions about who is using whose data for what. Yeah, there's a lot that's still going to be sorted out, I think. But I think the many industries will benefit either in the products that they sell or in their, in their production processes. So I think there are great opportunities, great, yeah, new, many things will happen, which I can't even think of at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we can get over the privacy issues, obviously security is a big one. We, every day, I, geez, I think I've read twice now in the past week that I think it might've been Facebook. I forget who it was. All the data is out there, the users in the password, not passwords, but emails. And, yeah. you know, just, it's just so much, so difficult to protect data these days. So that'll be a challenge for us. That's right. I think that will be a, that must be a huge question for our customers as well about and there are many aspects to it of course one is how do we kind of arrange with our customers so the customers of our customers contractually which data is going to be shared and for which purposes and how etc i was just thinking the other day have i ever i have for my car i've signed signed or pressed a button which said yes you can use my data but I ha i'm not sure i've done that yet for a for anything in the kitchen but there'll have to be some kind of regulation of, yes, you can use my data for these purposes. Yeah. For, you know, maybe to improve the safety of cooking or to get extra tips in, in, in cooking and that kind of thing. But and then there's also the consequences. So customers have got to arrange that. Then there are the consequences of preserving the data safely and for the required amount of time, but for no longer. So, so there are the, a whole raft of questions, which I think perhaps have been looked at over the last few years in terms of some of the so larger software companies. They're also going to be starting to be asked or have to be answered 
for many many of our customers i think they'll have to you know get into the into the depths of some of those questions and you know that that's got many questions many aspects legally you know i think also commercially how far do you go in using customer data you know how do you ensure that it's completely anonymous you know there always seem to be people who can somehow combine data and, f- and figure out who someone is so there, there are many, many aspects of it that are going to need to be ironed out very well to avoid reputational damage. You know, that you can see what happens if, if, you, if you do get these leaks. Well, Colin, you are working in a very, and thinking, thinking and working in a very interesting area. It's certainly very exciting to myself and many of the people listening to this podcast. Thanks for sharing all that, that closed loop thinking. What are you working on now? Yeah, so we sort of been at Sophium for a number of years now, and we've 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 got a accolade platform we've used with many many different customers, and we've been looking at how could we perhaps add to the platform and focus it in on certain types of innovation and supporting those types of innovation in a kind of pre prefab approach. Yeah, so, and we've been looking at what we're calling accolade for smart products supporting customers in some of the challenges we, we've been touching on over the last the last few minutes, dealing with products which are physical, with the physical side to them, but have got increasing amounts of software in and the software's connected and how to develop those and realize those products when different types of teams are involved, hardware teams, software teams, using perhaps all kinds of different methodologies in those different parts of the business, yet being able to maintain an overview, maintain direction to know this is what we're planning to achieve over the next three, five years. These products we're planning to to launch and tapping in to progress in either on the hardware side, software side, to make sure yeah, deadlines can be hit and met when these different teams are involved in doing and building things perhaps in, in different ways. Agile is a, of a key word for the last few years, how to deal with parts of the business that are trying to adopt these kind of techniques, methods, versus other parts of the business that maybe are not using those methods or tools or using them in a, in a slightly different way. And I think it's a challenge for a number of our customers you know, to retain oversight when so many different tools and techniques are getting used. So that's the that's the, the kind of current focus of, of my work. And I think it's a really, a really interesting aspect. As I said, it pulls together this kind of use of uh, data uh, or, or the, the potential for, for use from these smart products. But it's got its challenges, how to deal with the software and hardware combination. Uh, Colin, that's very exciting. Jeez, I hope you come back on our show in a, six months or we, we check back in and see how how that research and how that all that activity is going on? Would you? I'll hopefully, yeah. you come back and tell us. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, give I us mean, the report. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're looking to, you know, in fact, that we, we just announced today the, the product availability. So we're the coming months will be will be really fascinating as we see it taken on by customers, and then we'll we'll hear their stories. We'll see the way that they would like to see the product, our product, Accolade for Smart Products, evolve. And then we can also see, okay, what it's, are they getting to the point where types of smart products that they are, they're delivering, are they getting the insights from the, from the data that they are bringing it back, closing the loop and in innovation, using the kind of yeah, product data, IoT data that I was just talking about earlier on. Colin, this has been a fantastic discussion. I, I can't thank you enough for joining us 
and just really was great to have you on the show. Thanks for everything. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for hosting me, Paul. I mean, we've known each other for many years, but it's always great to have a talk like this. Yeah, especially in the new medium, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, Colin. Well, you have a good day. You too, Paul. All right. Take All care. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week for Innovation Talks with Paul Heller. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.